Section 7 of The Story of the Mikado. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. The Story of the Mikado by W.S. Gilbert. Chapter 6. Katisha, in accordance with her threat, had gone straight to the Mikado who was on a beheading tour about fifteen miles away, and reported to him that by the aid of her army of private detectives she had succeeded in discovering that his long-lost heir was hiding in Titipu, effectively disguised, now as a wandering minstrel, but formerly as the second trombone of the purple Tartarian band. The, more or less, excellent monarch, who did not care very much for his son, was particularly fond of getting at the bottom of a mystery, so he gave orders that his retinue were to accompany him at once to Titipu. Accordingly, his majesty, with Katisha and a brilliant staff, set forth the next morning, and arrived at Titipu in the afternoon, to the great consternation of all the inhabitants, and particularly of Coco who had never expected to be brought face to face so soon after his appointment as lord high executioner with a monarch who regarded decapitation as a cheap and ready cure for all social and political evils the inhabitants put on their very best clothes and at the same time assumed an expression of virtuous industry which they hoped would have the effect of mollifying their beloved but terrific monarch as the royal band reached the marketplace, where the populace were assembled, they played a triumphal Japanese march, in which every musician performed the air he was best acquainted with, in the time that was most agreeable to himself, and in the key that pleased him best, which gave an individuality to the whole performance, which you never succeed in getting, when the same air is played by all. After the band came a troop of Japanese warriors in red and black armour and helmets which quite concealed their pretty faces, and after them a kind of portable throne in which were seated the Mikado and his protégé, Katisha. As they entered, all the people flung themselves on their faces, pretending that the lustre of the Mikado's resplendent beauty was so blinding that no man might look at it except through smoke-coloured spectacles, with which they had not had time to provide themselves. As the people lay face downwards on the ground, they sang the Japanese national anthem as well as they could, but as the dust got into their throats whenever they drew a breath, the result was less remarkable for its smooth and velvety utterance than for a kind of coughing loyalty which caused infinite amusement to its august object. This was the national anthem. Miyasama, Miyasama, Omano Mayeni, Pira Pira Saranoa, Nagia Na, Toko Tonyare, Tonyare Na. As I feel sure you will agree with me, that crude as it is, yet as an expression of simple heartfelt loyalty combined with self-respecting humility, it is far in advance of the ridiculous doggerel which we Britishers have to sing whenever we are called upon to hail our beloved monarch. The rather good Mikado then proceeded, as was his custom, to explain his position and views 
the song he sang was not intended to be interrupted and when sung without interruption it is a singularly powerful piece of lyrical composition but on this occasion he was accompanied by katisha who had no idea of being left out in the cold when anything interesting was going on and who consequently took good care that the mikado should not have it all his own way this quite spoilt the beauty of the verses to the annoyance of the poet laureate austin who wrote them so when the mikado sang from every kind of man obedience i expect i'm the emperor of japan katisha regardless of metre cut in with and i'm his daughter-in-law elect he'll marry his son he's only got one to his daughter-in-law elect this absurd interruption annoyed the mikado who felt that it was a liberty on katisha's part however he went on my morals have been declared particularly correct and katisha as before sang but they're nothing at all compared with those of his daughter-in-law elect bow bow to his daughter-in-law elect by this time the mikado was very angry but he was too much of a gentleman to expostulate publicly so he continued in a fatherly kind of way i govern each tribe and sect all cheerfully own my sway the irrepressible and self-assertive katisha broke in with except his daughter-in-law elect as tough as a bone with a will of her own is his daughter-in-law elect it was quite true but this was not the time to make the statement the pretty good mikado uttered something under his breath i can't imagine what it was and began once more my nature is love and light my freedom from all defect again katisha put in her awe are insignificant quite compared with his daughter-in-law elect bow bow to his daughter-in-law elect bow bow to his daughter-in-law elect at last the mikado turned sulky there were four-and-twenty beautiful verses in all and the best were to come so not only did the populace lose a treat but all the poet laureate's trouble in writing them was quite wasted the mikado who rather fancied his singing he had a light tenor voice with baritone bass falsetto said nothing at the time but resolved to suppress katisha's pudding for a week as a punishment for her unmannerly behaviour when it was quite sure that the mikado was not going to sing any more koko poobah and pitty singh came forward and flung themselves on their faces at the royal feet if you ask how pitty singh came to be mixed up with it i may explain that Pooh bah who among other things held the post of lord high admirer had in his official capacity fallen head over ears in love with her and they were in point of fact engaged your majesty said koko i am honoured in being permitted to welcome your majesty i guess the object of your majesty's visit your wishes have been attended to the execution has taken place oh said the mikado you've had an execution have you yes replied koko the coroner has just handed me his certificate i am the coroner explained poobah the mikado took the certificate and read it at titipu in the presence of the lord chancellor 
the lord chief justice attorney general secretary of state for the home department lord mayor and groom of the second floor front they were all present said Pooh-Bah. i counted them myself ha said the mikado smacking his lips i should like to have seen it a tough fellow he was your majesty a man of gigantic strength his struggles were terrific and the three conspirators proceeded to describe the execution that never took place coco sang the criminal cried as he dropped him down in a state of wild alarm with a frightful frantic fearful frown i bared my big right arm i seized him by his little pigtail and on his knees fell he and he squirmed and struggled and gurgled and guggled i drew my snickersnee oh never shall i forget the cry or the shriek that shrieked he as i gnashed my teeth when from its sheath i drew my snickersnee then the other two sang we know him well he cannot tell untrue or groundless tales whenever he tries to palm off lies invariably he fails then pity sing who was a conceited little thing continued the narrative he shivered and shook as he gave the sign for the stroke he didn't deserve when all of a sudden his eye met mine and it seemed to brace his nerve for he nodded his head and kissed his hand and he whistled an air did he as the sabre true cut keenly through his cervical vertebrae when a man's afraid a beautiful maid is a cheering sight to see and it's oh i'm glad that moment sad was cheered by sight of me then the other two sang her terrible tale you can't assail with truth it quite agrees her taste exact for faultless fact amounts to a disease then came pooh bah's turn that ridiculous impostor couldn't keep his nonsensical pride out of his verse as you will see now though you'd have said that the head was dead for its owner dead was he it stood on its neck with a smile well bred and bowed three times to me it was none of your impudent off-hand nods but as humble as could be for it clearly knew the deference due to a man of pedigree and it's oh i vow that deathly bow was a touching sight to see though trunkless yet it couldn't forget the deference due to me the other two were thoroughly disgusted with the old donkey's ridiculous pretensions but they felt bound to endorse his story so they sang in solemn sooth he speaks the truth whenever he finds it pays and in this case it all took place exactly as he says all this said the mikado is very interesting but we came about a totally different matter a year ago my son bolted from our imperial court indeed replied koko had he anything to complain of nothing whatever interposed katisha on the contrary i was going to marry him yet he fled i am surprised said the lord high admirer that he should have fled from one so lovely that's not true said katisha who was nothing if not outspoken you consider that i am not beautiful because my face is plain but you know nothing it is not in the face alone that beauty is to be sought 
my face is plain but i have a left shoulder blade that is a miracle of loveliness people come miles to see it my right elbow has a fascination that few can resist it is on view tuesdays and fridays on presentation of visiting card i have a tooth that may be said to stand alone many artists of distinction have tried to draw it but in vain as for my circulation it is the largest in the world and yet he fled said koko who with pity sing and Bah, was convulsed with repressed chuckles and is now masquerading in this town added the mikado disguised as a second trombone a second trombone exclaimed the three conspirators shaking with terror yes in the purple tartarian band would it be troubling you too much if i asked you to produce him oh not at all not at all said koko i do so with greatest pleasure only it's rather awkward he's gone abroad gone abroad said the mikado his address peckham rye replied pooh-bah naming the first place that had the advantage of being a long way off upper tooting wasn't it asked pretty sing peckham rye replied pooh-bah so decidedly that further doubt was out of the question in the meantime katisha had amused herself by reading the coroner's certificate ha she exclaimed in a tone that made them all including the mikado jump a foot into the air see here his name nanki poo the name he went by beheaded this morning koko pooh-bah and pretty sing fell flat upon the ground they were convinced that their last hour had come dear 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 said the mikado this is very tiresome my poor fellow in your anxiety to carry out my wishes you have beheaded the heir to the throne of japan i beg to offer an unqualified apology moaned koko i desire stammered pooh-bah to associate myself with that expression of regret indeed said pretty sing we hadn't the remotest idea of course you hadn't said the mikado come come my good friend addressing koko don't distress yourself it was no fault of yours if a man of exalted rank chooses to disguise himself as a second trombone he must take the consequences it really distresses me to see you take on so i've no doubt he thoroughly deserved all he got koko pooh-bah and pretty sing were infinitely relieved to find that the mikado took so just and reasonable a view of the situation he wasn't such a bad fellow after all we are extremely obliged to your majesty said koko as they all three rose from the ground obliged replied the rather kind mikado not a bit how could you tell it wasn't written on the gentleman's forehead said pretty sing it might have been on his pocket-handkerchief said pooh-bah only japanese don't use pocket-handkerchiefs <laughs> said the rather good-humoured mikado and all five roared with laughter at pooh-bah's little joke i forget said the mikado turning to katisha the punishment for compassing the death of the heir apparent punishment 
exclaimed the three conspirators in a condition that was little short of collapse yes replied the mikado something lingering with boiling oil in it i fancy i think boiling oil occurred in it but i'm not sure i know it's something humorous but lingering with either boiling oil or melted lead come come don't fret i'm not a bit angry if your majesty will accept our assurance began koko we hadn't the least notion added pitty singh i wasn't there exclaimed the cowardly impostor pooh-bah of course of course said the mikado that's the pathetic part of it unfortunately the fool of an act says compassing the death of the heir apparent there's not a word about a mistake or not knowing there should be of course but there isn't however i'll have it altered next session what's the good of that said koko almost fainting now let's see said the obliging monarch who was always politely anxious to meet people's views will after lunch suit you can you wait till then oh yes moaned koko we can wait till then i don't want any lunch blubbered pooh-bah then we'll make it after lunch come along katisha this has given me quite an appetite and the mikado with katisha went into the pavilion where a sumptuous collation had been prepared at koko's expense koko was to have presided as host but under the circumstances the mikado thoughtfully excused him well said koko to pooh-bah as soon as the mikado and katisha had withdrawn a nice mess you've got us into with your nodding head and the deference due to a man of pedigree merely corroborative detail intended to give artistic verisimilitude to a bald and otherwise unconvincing narrative replied pooh-bah corroborative detail exclaimed pitty singh corroborative fiddlestick well there's only one thing to be done said koko nanki poo hasn't started yet he must come to life again at once that he may be produced before the mikado at that moment nanki poo and yum yum crossed the market-place nanki poo carrying two bundles which contained their respective trousseau here he comes said koko how fortunate nanki poo i've good news for you you're reprieved oh but it's too late replied nanki poo i'm a dead man and i'm off for my honeymoon nonsense it appears that you're the son of the mikado your father is here and he has brought katisha who claims you in marriage oh but he's married to me now said yum yum i can't come to life and marry katisha said nanki poo because i'm dead and married already consequently she will insist on my being executed and then yum yum will have to be buried alive so that's out of the question now if you could persuade katisha to marry you i could come to life without any fear of being put to death i marry katisha exclaimed koko i really think it's the only way said yum yum but my good girl have you seen her she's something appalling ah that's only her face said yum yum she has a left elbow which people come miles to see i'm told that her right heel is much admired by connoisseurs remarked pooh-bah here she comes said pitty singh now is your opportunity 
at that moment katisha who had finished her luncheon came out of the pavilion and yum yum and nanki poo delicately withdrew that the possible lovers might have it all to themselves koko recognized the excellence of nanki poo's advice and decided come what might to win her hand rather than lose his life katisha said he approaching her timidly ha exclaimed katisha flying at his throat and shaking him as a terrier shakes a rat the miscreant who robbed me of my love but vengeance pursues they are heating the cauldron katisha behold a suppliant for mercy and he threw himself at her feet mercy exclaimed she had you mercy on him true he did not love me but he would have loved me in time i am an acquired taste only the educated palate can appreciate me i was educating his palate when he left me it takes years to train a man to love me and you rob me of my prey uh, i mean my pupil just as his education was on the point of completion oh where shall i find another where shall i find another koko braced himself up to a supreme effort here said he with terrific vehemence here 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 it sounded like applause but if you examine it you will see that it is spelt differently h e r e what exclaimed katisha in unbounded surprise katisha said koko for years i have loved you with a white-hot passion which is slowly but surely consuming my very vitals true it is that under a poor mask of unutterable disgust i have endeavoured to conceal a passion whose inner fires are broiling the soul within me katisha i dare not hope for your love but i will not live without it accept it or i perish on the spot go to said katisha who made it a rule never to snub an admirer who knows so well as i that no one dies of a broken heart you know not what you say replied koko listen and he sang her this pathetic little ballad the little tom tit on a tree by a river a little tom tit sang willow tit willow tit willow and i said to him dicky bird why do you sit singing willow tit willow tit willow is it weakness of intellect birdie i cried or a rather tough worm in your little inside with a shake of his poor little head he replied oh willow tit willow tit willow he slapped at his chest as he sat on that bough saying willow tit willow tit willow and a cold perspiration bespangled his brow oh willow tit willow tit willow he sobbed and he sighed and a gurgle he gave then he threw himself into the billowy wave and an echo arose from the suicide's grave oh willow tit willow tit willow now i feel just as sure as i'm sure that my name isn't willow tit willow tit willow that was blighted affection that made him exclaim oh willow tit willow tit willow and if you remain callous and obdurate i shall perish as he did and you will know why though i probably shall not exclaim as i die oh willow tit willow tit willow 
poor soft-hearted katisha was deeply touched by this pathetic little story in fact at the end she was almost in tears did he really die of love said she between her sobs he really did i knew the bird intimately and all on account of a cruel little hen poor little chap and if i refuse to marry you will you do the same at once no no said katisha now fairly crying you mustn't anything but that oh i'm a silly little goose and she flung herself on koko's unwilling shoulders in a burst of hysterical grief koko had obtained what he wanted but even then he didn't seem quite happy however she hurried him at once to the registrar's office that they might be married before he had time to change his mind at that critical moment the mikado who had been sitting over his wine after katisha left him appeared wiping his lips with every appearance of satisfaction now then said he we had a capital lunch have all the painful preparations been made your majesty all is prepared replied pish tush then produce the unfortunate gentleman and these two well-meaning but misguided accomplices thereupon koko poobah and pitty singh advanced led by katisha and flung themselves at the mikado's feet mercy said katisha mercy for koko mercy for pitty singh mercy even for poobah the mikado was not a little surprised at this unexpected change of front i don't think i quite caught that remark said he mercy repeated katisha my husband that was to have been is dead and i have married this miserable object indicating koko who was making tremendous efforts to look blissful oh said the mikado you haven't been long about it we were married before the registrar said koko blushing like a girl i am the registrar exclaimed poobah it doesn't take long so i see replied the mikado but my difficulty is that as you have slain the heir apparent to the throne of japan at that moment nanki poo and yum yum presented themselves before the mikado and threw themselves at his feet bless my heart said the mikado here he is and your daughter-in-law elected added yum yum rather neatly explain said the mikado addressing koko your majesty said koko it's like this it is true that i stated that i had killed nanki poo yes replied the mikado with most affecting particulars merely corroborative detail interposed poobah intended to give artistic verisimilitude to a bald and will you refrain from putting in your oar said koko your majesty it's like this when your majesty says let a thing be done it's as good as done practically it is done because your majesty's will is law your majesty says kill a gentleman and a gentleman is told off to be killed consequently that gentleman is as good as dead practically he is dead and if he is dead why not say so i see said the rather puzzle-headed monarch but i don't suppose that he really did see anyway i don't and i don't suppose you do at all events he appeared to be satisfied and that was all that was wanted 
so this exciting story which is crammed full of thrilling incidents and hairbreadth escapes ended quite happily and without any bloodshed after all end of section seven and of the story of the mikado by w s gilbert recording by noel badrian county offaly ireland